the next uh, the next three or four Sundays um, over over the summer, it, it, it can be difficult to, to pick up a series as so many people are coming and going. And I, I'm I'm really quite passionate about like everybody being involved, everybody being part of the conversation. Um, that's something that is hugely important to me, hugely valuable. Um, and so it just can be hard to know what, what, where to go, what direction to take over July and August when, when there's so much uh, coming and going. But there was one thing, there was one thought that I just kept going over in my mind and over the last week, and it was um, nothing groundbreaking, just to go, go through the Psalms, just like a, a, almost like an overview, almost like taking a bird's eye view of the Psalms, but also able to zoom in every so often. And we're going to do that over the next number of number of weeks. Um, this is it's not a joke, there's no trick question, but can, like, and there's no pressure, don't feel like you have to put your hand up, but is, can you please show me by a lifting of your hand if you have a favorite Psalm? Not many. Interesting. Thank you. Um, everybody else in the room, I'm just assuming that you have so many. Can't pinpoint. You know how fickle I am. I, I, I didn't put my hand up because it feels like my like stories. You hear me saying this often, like how there's one particular story in the Bible is my favorite, but it always seems to be dependent on what week it is. And that can be the same with the Psalms. But I think over the over the next number of weeks, we'd just love to hear from from people who's who's the. I know if Neville was here this morning, he would have been the first one to raise his hand. Um, and so we just want to hear from from people as we take a big bird's eye view of this of the whole of the Psalter, fancy word for uh, for this whole collection of 150 poems. Um, we want to hear from people who individuals who uh, who Psalms. Individual psalms have meant a lot. Um, so let me just, by way of introduction, by way of overview, I just want to share some thoughts this morning. And I'm, I'm so rubbish with titles, but I tried to sort of fire it out to Paul and people who are a bit more creative than I am, but just like the, the summer psalms, or as we'll go on, like a, a psalms, not a psalms mixtape, but it's like a psalms playlist. This is what it, like this is essentially what this is. This is not a this is not this is not a random collection. It's, this is these 150 poems that have been written for us. They're not a random collection. Um, they have been intentionally and intentionally edited. They've been intentionally shaped for us it, to tell a big story, but also to that the gift of them is that there are individual psalms that will comfort, individual psalms that will bring us joy and life and peace and comfort. But they're held within this intentionally edited story. And I really love what the, one of the church fathers said way back in the like third, fourth century. Athanasius said that um, there is nothing, nothing to be found in human life is omitted. He said that when he was referring to the, to the Psalter, when he was referring to this collection of Psalms, nothing to be found in human life is omitted. There's something about reading that quote that just, made, that just excited me about like, what, what we're communicating uh, 
is is for us all. We there is no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what our story is, no matter what we're living in at the moment, um, there is something about engaging with this collection that um, will be helpful. Will be we'll find each one of us will find ourselves. Um, somewhere in this collection. It is a diverse collection of poetry. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, I'm not sure if you're conscious of this, but it has been written at different times by different authors in different genres to address different needs in different contexts. There's a lot of difference in there. I hope you've heard that that it all that just speaks of the breadth of this collection. Um, it is written over a period of most will say about six hundred years. We discover that there's some of the this collection has been written um, before the exile. A lot of it has been written in the time of the the monarchy, the time of King David, obviously. And a lot of it has been written post-exile, um, which is four or five hundred BC. We go back to the start of the monarchy, which is around a thousand BC. It's not to bore you with that, but just to say this is a collection of poetry written at different times over the course of five, six hundred years. And I don't know what you, I don't know what you, what your thoughts are around who has, around who has written this. I know the assumption will be that. Uh, King David has written this, the Psalms, and he has, but there is many different authors with many different thoughts, many different points of view that have penned these incredible poems, these incredible songs. And there's also different genres, and we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. Um, depends how deep we want to go. There is possibly seven. Um, we'll maybe look at five, but we could also condense it down to three. There's psalms of thanksgiving, there is psalms of praise, and there is psalms of lament that we could probably condense all of this collection down to. What excited me and what, uh, what just stirred within me as I was thinking about this over the last few days is the richness of its diversity. 150 psalms of rich diversity and it served as a hymn book this these 150 psalms it served as a hymn book for a post-exilic community it served as a hymn book the songs that people who had been um who had found themselves coming out of exile coming out of a place of bondage found that this was the song book that they used the hymn book that they used or to use modern language this was their this was their playlist it was intentionally edited. It was intentionally shaped. And you can find meaning. And some of you have uh, some of you have shown that, lift, raising your hand this morning, that um, you can find meaning and hope in individual psalms. But you can also find meaning in their ordered relationship to one another. So let me read. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 is, it is 
They say, they say the Psalm 1 and 2 are just a perfect introduction for the whole of the Psalter, the whole of this collection. So let me read, I'll just read chapter 1. And if your, book, if your Bibles are anything like mine, they will say that it's book 1. We'll touch on that in a moment. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So again, I really hope this doesn't bore you some of the stuff I just love, but this it's there is meaning to be found in an individual psalm, but there is meaning to be found in the ordered relationship to one another. And so if you've, again, if your Bibles are like mine, it says book one, and uh, book one, this is the structure, this is the structure to it, I'm not going into too much detail, but um, book one is uh, chapters one to 41. Book two is chapters 42 to 72. Um, book three is chapters 73 to 89. Book four is 90 to 106. And book five is um, 107 to the end, 150. And so the ordered structure is that it goes from the, the Davidic, it goes from the monarchy, it goes from the, the reign of King David in book one. And then book two, it speaks of the transition of power um, from David um, and then book three talks about the collapse the failure of David's rule of this Davidic monarchy that's the, that's the bulk that's the that's the structure of book three and then book four there is a there is a there is a change there's a shift as the as the person, the man, the woman that edited this, that structured this together, takes us back. So they've shown us the reign of King David. They've shown us how power has transitioned. But then ultimately they've shown how this has failed. How, how a king trying to do it his own way has inevitably walked away from the ways of God. You see that so often in Psalms some of the Psalms in the 70s and 88 and 89. But then the shift comes in book four where it comes to back to Yahweh who is the rightful ruler. In Psalm 90, Psalm 90, book four starts out with a return of going back, taking the people back to the story of Moses. Um, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so this is the this is this this is the story that the that the editor that this the, that is shaping for us, 
this is what happens. This is what the rule looked like. This is what, what, whenever we tried to do it our own way, this is what it looked like. And this is how it collapsed. But then this is what we all need to return to. Turn to the one who is always been our dwelling place who's brought forth the earth and from everlasting to everlasting he is God he is Yahweh he is a rightful ruler and that is the bulk of book four and then book five starts um, starts at uh, Psalm 107 and so book four if book four is this returning to Yahweh as the rightful ruler as the true king, as the true Lord. Then book five is to this people who were in exile that have now been freed, that are making their way home. And book five is that. Book five is where everybody comes back home. And let me read, um, let me read Psalm, the first chapter of this book five, Psalm 107, as a exiled people, as a people that were caught up in slavery, as a people who were caught up in the consequences of doing things their own way, going their own path. The book is, this collection turns us back to Yahweh and brings us to this post-exile where everybody comes back home and here is the opening psalm to this book five. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed post-exile people let the redeemed of the Lord say this those he redeemed from the hand of the foe those he gathered from the lands here they're coming home from the east and from the west from the north and the south some wandered in desert wastelands finding no way to a city where they could settle they were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. And that incredible psalm goes on just to talk about what it's like of people returning home. Some had sat in darkness, it says. Some had, were suffering with the, with the chains of their circumstances. They've made their way home and it ends. The psalmist, this, this whole psalter, this intentionally edited uh, collection that has been put together um, ends with this crescendo of praise. In Psalm, Psalm 147, 148, 149 and 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary is how this collection finishes. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And so I love that there's people that put their hands up to say that there is meaning to be found in the individual Psalms, but the gift of this collection is that there is rich meaning for us in their, in their relationship, the ordered relationship with one another. And it's the diversity of the Psalms that I just want to reflect on just the last couple of minutes. There's something beautiful, I think, and maybe not for everybody, but there's something I love that we cannot reduce the entire message of this collection to one thing. It's it's a like it, it is it is a huge 
like quite a few um, number of authors over a period of five, six hundred years. And it cannot be reduced to one thing. As if each writer thought in exactly the same way, because they didn't. And we could go, we could pluck out, we'll not do it today, but we'll probably do it over the next number of weeks. We could pluck out different psalms that were written by different authors and you'll discover that they didn't think exactly the same way. And I, and I, and I remember listening to somebody saying that despite the theological diversity of the authors of these, this collection, despite their theological diversity, these poems have been approved for use and they've been put together, they've been gathered together. I actually want to say that not despite their theological diversity, but because of their theological diversity, these poems have been approved for use and gathered together. There's something about that that, that I really love. I love that there is no, no one psalmist is trying to silence the other. There is as much value placed on the, on the psalms of praise as on the psalms of lament and anger and pain and frustration and joy and hope. There is not one of the psalms that is trying to silence any of the others. There is, a, there is every voice is to be heard. Every diverse voice is to be heard in this collection. And I love that. And there's something, about, there's something about this word that I hope doesn't make us feel uncomfortable, but the ambiguity of the Psalms, I think, is a gift to us. I think it is good that the Psalms are ambiguous, meaning that there is not one obvious meaning, meaning that there is, that for many of them, not all of them, but they're open to more than one interpretation. William helpfully reminded me today about the parables that Jesus taught. Like the parables are ambiguous. There's not one obvious meaning. There is, there is open to more than one interpretation of the parables. And I, what I, what I, why I appreciate that is that it means that it can be used as it was intended. This was a communal resource. This collection of poems were for a post-exile community. It was, it was their hymn book. It was their playlist. Um, it was to be intended for communal use. It was for corporate worship. And so let me give you an insight into, hopefully, a bit of my thinking. Psalm 32. There's nothing, nothing specific we are given here. If this was specific to the, to the writer, if there wasn't a certain level of ambiguity here, this would be difficult for us to, uh, to find meaning for ourselves. But Psalm 32, let me read it. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man or woman whose sin the Lord does not count against him. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave, um, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. 
we keep going. But just to point out that um, the openness to this is that I think we can easily place ourselves into the role of the unnamed I. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Don't know the specific circumstances here. We don't have a definite of what is taking place here. And I think that level of ambiguity allows us, makes it easy for us to place ourselves here. Because of its ambiguity, it means I can insert my own sins and trust God's forgiveness. And so what I so appreciate, what I so appreciate about this group of people, what I so appreciate about people that are outside of this group of people who have really good friends that, that are theologically diverse. And within any group of people, you've got to have different ideas of how you experience God. And so again, as I've said, we'll talk about that over the next number of weeks. There's not just one way to experience him. We can experience him in our praise. We can experience him in our thanksgiving. We can experience him in our lament. Not one way. There's not one way that we experience him. There's not one way that we encounter him. And I think that's the gift of the Psalms to us. They can be used for us to find individual meaning, but they can also be used for us as a communal resource. They can be used for us as an act of corporate worship. And, uh, and I know that we'll, as, you do, as you will go through the Psalms, you think about them, even though that many, even though many of them are individual laments, and many of them are hymns of praise, I think the way that this collection has been put together assumes that there is a, that they all, they have a people of God dimension to them. This is, this is for us. This is for us all. This is for a people. It's for us to find individual meaning, but it's also for us to find joy and meaning and hope and all of that in their ordered relationship to one another. And so there's other Psalms that we're going to delve in over the next number of weeks. I hope there's been something in that. I know it maybe feels a bit technical or a bit jargony or a bit boring, forgive me, but I think there is something about um, what I wanted to communicate this morning that I think is really important for us as we, as we step into some of this over the next number of Sunday mornings with the help of some others in the room. So Father, I thank you for, I thank you for this collection. I thank you that for many of us, we've found hope and comfort in them. I thank for, for some of us that we've found permission to relieve or express frustration and worry and complaint. I thank you that for some, we've found just a place to abandon ourselves in worship and thanksgiving. Thank you how it has been put together, gathered together, approved for our use, and we want to use it well. 
we want to use it wisely. I'm going to thank you for the diversity in this room. I'm going to thank you for the experiences of one another. God, I pray that you would forgive us for maybe the times we've tried to silence um, someone's experience because it doesn't match with our own. I pray you forgive us, God, for the times where we've um, elevated one experience over another because of our own preference and our own comfort. God, I thank you for the gift of this collection. And I pray that over the rest of today and over the next number of weeks, we would continue to find uh, find it as a, as, a, as a resource to bring life and hope. Um, God, we would discover you as our dwelling place. God, we would come to the place of everything that is, that is within us, everything that is breath would offer praise and the sacrifice of praise and worship to you. We love you. Jesus, as we, as we continue to look at this over the next couple of Sundays, uh, I thank you that we discover you right at the heart. We discover you in the midst of it all. And so Jesus, I pray that you would help us to do that this week. Even whenever it's dark and it's confusion and it's painful, that we would discover Jesus in the midst of it all. Jesus, that we would recognize you that we would sense you, we would experience you, maybe even in ways we haven't done before. Maybe we've never experienced you in lament before, God, and I pray that that would be the experience for some today, for some this week. And for some of us that never have experienced you, God, and just crying out the deep, from the deepest place within us that maybe we've been told we've had to suppress. God, I pray that we would experience you in that deep, calling out to deep, Thank you for this family. Thank you for this group of people. Thank you for um, what you're doing among us, God. And I just pray that you would bless those that will that will rest, that will go on holidays today. I pray to discover, experience you in ways that they haven't done before. Others in the workplace that will continue to work and continue to, uh, to give themselves in those different arenas, God, to experience you in ways that they haven't done before. We love you. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.